Thanks for listening to Fluff and Crunch, where we talk about the connection and sometimes disconnect between system, setting, and story in tabletop RPGs. What kind of gaming? Hello. Good morning. I, good day. Good evening. All that. Yeah. Uh, what kind of gaming have you done in the last week? Or is it still the holding pattern you've been in for the last few weeks? Yeah, again. Well, now actually one of my... We, we, we thought we were going to be sorted for this week. I was going to both play games yeah, at the end of this week and games next week. And now one of them's one of them's got COVID, so he's, oh. so, so he's isolating. So we're not playing games with him. Um, so yeah, that went out the window, or will have gone out the window. Um, I tried to play a game of Marvel online, and my PC has decided it refuses to play Marvel through Tabletop Simulator. I don't know why, but it just it won't do it. Frustrating. Um, so I have spent a lot of time thinking about games and writing about games. But that's another episode. That's another episode. I had the good fortune of playing Chill, third edition, using a first edition adventure last week with my soon-to-be Star Trek group because the group was down one person. We, I don't want to launch the campaign minus a person. Yeah, it would suck. And so we decided in advance that we would do an investigative horror game. We did it. And then at the very end, I had already set this up. I was very excited about this. Uh, I... I had on my iPad queued up a Star Trek soundboard and I hit the sound for the uh, arch, the holodeck arch opening and a communications message coming in asking one of the, uh, asking the chief engineer to come to the captain's briefing room. And so their holodeck <laughs> session was over for the day and that was it. And they thought that was fun. The idea that it, they weren't actually playing chill. It was their Starfleet officers on the holodeck of the ship just blowing off some steam. So that's what we that's what we did. Yeah, it's, it's, I think it's a it's a great idea to be able to like if I could get a Star Trek game running again to just every time we drop out of buying Star Trek to go no it's still the same people it's all in the holodeck. Yep. Yeah, this we turned weekend, the safeties off and they all died. Oh yes, well no, this weekend will be although yeah I could do that but I won't. No, uh, not this week. This weekend they they wanted to play because we're still down a person. Uh, they wanted to play Cyberpunk Red. And so that is going to be another holodeck adventure. And then next week, the last holodeck adventure, before we actually launch the ship on the 31st of this month, the, uh, the last holodeck adventure will be a... Uh, I'm going to use the revised basic Marvel superheroes rules from 1991 uh, to do my own kind of warped superhero world. So they're going to be supers on the holodeck. Nice. That sounds fun. I'm very jealous. Well, I will. Uh, and, and I'm going to, when we talk about our second, when we, anyway, no, I won't get into this the second because I have suggestions based on that. Anyway, you'll get your gaming in eventually. I have faith. Um, so today, as you chuckle, you chuckle like ironically, uh, today we are going to talk about uh, the quadrant books, all four quadrant books for. Star Trek Adventures, and again, that crossover of what system, what story elements or aspects are found in these four books that make them useful, and in what ways, how, and how those two things, system and, and, uh, and story, connect 
in these four books. So did you want to run this like our uh, our command division episode? Do you want to talk to me or do you want to just go back and forth? How do you want to do this? Uh, I, I think we can kind of just talk, sort of just talk through it, kind of how what, what uh, I think the easiest thing is kind of how they're structured overall, because they're all structured the same way. Yep. And then like, what are the highlights of each of the books? Yeah, so looking at them, they they are all, and this is handy. I I like this actually. I don't think that this is. Uh, I don't think they're phoning it in in this respect. Each of the four books is structured in the. It's laid out and structured in the exact same way. And as a matter of fact, when it comes to content, like relative amounts of content, they're almost the same. Uh, each of them has five chapters or five main sections. There's a very brief introduction to the big picture view of the quadrant that, that's under um, consideration. Alpha, beta gamma or delta there is then a large chunk of information about the quadrant the politics major worlds factions so on and so forth there's a short species of the quadrant with life path uh, options for using them as characters there's a section of starships and then there is a section at the very end of the book with what uh, what's called encounters and adversaries and it's a combination of both it's just ideas for uh for running stories with that information that you've just read over the previous hundred or so pages. So all four of them are the exact same layout. Yeah, which is a pretty straightforward thing. And at least like if you've got multiple books, you know what you're looking for in each of the each of the different ones that they've all got there. Uh, they've all laid out exactly the same way, which is nice. Yeah, I think too, the, the covers actually, three of the four covers make very clear the nature of the content story-wise. Like the Alpha Quadrant, and if you're not if you're not up on your Star Trek cartography, uh, the Alpha Quadrant and the Beta Quadrant—that's where that's where all almost all the action from the original series, from Next Generation and Deep Space Nine, take place. Yeah, and um, the Alpha Quadrant is where the Cardassians and Deep Space Nine and Bajor and the Badlands and those kinds of things are. And so on the cover, it has a runabout and Deep Space Nine and like a, a battle going on around Deep Space Nine. So that's pretty obvious. Uh, the, um, the Gamma Quadrant has a picture of, I believe, is, it's the, is the Defiant on the cover or is it just a, um, a, what's it called, a Dominion? That's the one I don't have, so I'm assuming, yeah, it'll okay. be one or the other. <laughs> it's a Dominion battle cruiser. So if you've watched any of the DS9 episodes with the Dominion War, you might recognize that. The Delta Quadrant is really obvious because it has Voyager and a Borg cube on the front. The only oh, one I that I think was, is... Go ahead, sorry. I thought that was an upside-down toilet seat, but yeah, you're right. It's uh, it's the Voyager now, I look at it. Yeah. That's right. They are similar. Oh, yeah, I totally got that wrong. Um <laughs> The uh, the only one that I think is a little vague on the cover is is the Beta Quadrant because it's it's just got the Enterprise D and a planet and some other ships in the background, so it doesn't really it doesn't really scream one location or another. It always throws me that like the main like the, the main quadrant with all of the you know the main original stuff. So yeah, like you know main Federation planets Earth, Klingons, Vulcans, Romulans. You kind of just think that what, why isn't that the Alpha Quadrant? But that's the, that's the beta quadrant. Right. The alpha quadrant's another one. It's like, huh? Why, yeah. did, they, why did they do it that way? That, that, is, sense. that is odd. Um, and I mean, if you're not, again, if you're not up on your Star Trek stellar cartography, <laughs> if um, if the, the, the quadrants of the galaxy as seen by the Federation worlds 
are if, if they're an x and y axis earth or soul is right at uh zero zero right in the middle and the alpha quadrant is lower left beta is lower right delta is upper right and uh, gamma is upper left i do always find it kind of uh i, I think it's kind of funny that uh, that the Klingons and the Romulans refer to them as the Alpha and the Beta Quadrant too, because I I, I don't see why they would, but uh, but whatever, um, it is what it is. But yeah, that's a good point. If you're going to start with the Greek alphabet and you're going to start at the beginning of the Greek alphabet, you would start with Alpha, and so you would think that's where things would take place most. But yeah, Alpha and Beta are where most of the action um, takes place. Uh, as for like focus, when I looked at, um, it was interesting, the beta quadrant was the one that came out first. Yeah. And I think that it makes sense that that's why it came out first, because that's where the Romulan, most of Klingon space is in the beta quadrant and all of Romulan space and a significant amount of Federation space are all in the beta quadrant. And so if you're looking for background and story ideas and ships and species and planets, that have to do with anything related to the, or most of what relates to the original series and, and a good chunk of next generation, you're going to find things in the, in the beta quadrant. Um, you know, they have the Klingons, the Romulans, the Gorn, the Orions, the, the various neutral zones, the Briar patch, the Shackleton expanse, which is, you know, Modiphius's that's, that's their sandbox area for Star Trek adventures. That's discussed in some, uh, yeah. in some detail. Um, I know I picked it up when it came out, but in all actuality, it was the one that initially seemed the least interesting to me because it did seem like, okay, I, I know all this stuff. But after a, a subsequent read-throughs, I found a lot of good ideas, story ideas, and things like that. A anything, if you're going to run a campaign that has to do with the Romulans, this this book is pretty much essential as far as I'm concerned. Like there's I mean, like sort of 15 pages on each and that, which is enough to give you a kind of an idea if you know very little which is like good for me, you know, there's, there's stuff in here I, I had no idea about. But at the same time, if you wanted to really deep dive into one of the things, there isn't a lot in particular, I think like the planet section, I think they're, they're pretty good at the sections on the, like the background and like the, the, you know, the civilizations as a whole. But then if I go to like, you know, one of the world sections and like there's a bunch of planets that get sort of like, you know, a, a, like a couple of paragraphs each and that's it. And I, I'd like more on that, but it's one of those things that they, if we had to wait for them to release a book on the Romulans and the Vulcans and the Klingons and the Cardassians and everybody else, we'd still be waiting for some of these books now. So probably better they went with this approach where they're giving you a reasonable amount of information and you're not having to search all over the internet or find old Star Trek books for it. You know, they're giving you a decent amount of information. Um, and it's there. I think the stuff I really like is the, is the stuff at the back, the, the encounters sections where, you know, they drop in a couple of characters and but then they, you know so they've sort of named npcs but then they throw in sort of the new npcs um and little like encounter seeds and like i said that's that's stuff you can just take straight out of the books and run with like straight away and then there's um other stuff and there's more ships so i think actually part of me compared to like the stuff we were looking at last week the uh the division books i think i massively prefer these because you know, division books are quite useful. There's not a huge amount for players, or at least these do have, you know, you've got extra races and you've got, you know, there are extra ships. Oh, there are enemy ships, I know. But there's, uh, I think these, these to me are probably slightly ahead of the, 
of the division books, which is odd because I thought it'd kind of be the other way. I think when I got them, I thought, oh, the division books will have loads and loads of new rules and they didn't really go that way. Um, so the, divi- the division books I like, but I like these, I like these better. You know, I like the, the combination again, you know, you, you, command division had ships, but they were all Federation ships, which makes sense for that. However, when it comes to broader gaming utility, these books for their ships because it's a combination of federation and other ships that would be relevant to that area those are all provided and uh you know i actually like the fact that you know these these books are around 100 to about 115 120 pages yeah and and i like that medivius decided to go generally light on the amount of detail they're not trying to be like forgotten realms in second or third edition D&D where there's like yeah. a book for every street corner practically and and you end up feeling boxed in by canon. I like the fact that they provide the big picture, they provide some uh, information, more detailed information on the most salient places, factions, issues, species. I like that. And then again, that the, the, the adventure seeds, they're great. You have all these ideas. And again, like information the ship information in the command division book this is from enterprise all the way through voyager eras so time period wise you've you've got information regardless of whether you want to run a, a original series era campaign or like a ds9 dominion war era campaign even if you're not going to have the dominion war involved like the beta quadrant goes all the way up into that that time period too so that that call it like time frame flexibility uh they i think they again did a nice job on now that the they talked about a little bit about the you know the alpha quadrant what's in that you know bajor cardassia the breen a little bit if you're interested in the ferengir the tholians they pop up in the uh the alpha quadrant book my sense is that if you're if you're not going to run something that has to do with the dominion war or the dominion and you're not particularly interested in the Borg, the Alpha and the Beta Quadrants are, for gameplay use, I think those, those are the only two that you would, you would need. Yeah, I mean, I totally agree. Like I said, I, I, I have bought the Delta book, but I don't actually remember buying it. I'm not even sure why I got it, because I have no intention of ever putting like, anything in there. So it's not really that much use to me. Um, and although I, like, I really like the whole Deep Space Nine thing, but again... Like where I was playing Star Trek, I was playing it way in the future. So like 2400 and something. Um, and unless I'm wrong, I'm pretty sure the wormhole collapses at the end of the series of Deep Space Nine, in which case you can't, I don't think they can go through it anyway. Uh, so then there is nothing, you know, you wouldn't be able to get to the other side. I could be wrong about that. Canon, um, Shmanon. I, I mean, that stuff gets, gets Yeah, that's a good point. Trashed like, the fact that I can't even remember it says it wouldn't really matter. But um, yeah, I can't say I'd be that. You know, I can't say I would be that fussed about what's in the thing. Um, so definitely, yeah. I think the Alpha and Beta. I mean, to me, the Alpha one is the one I really like. I think my my favorite bit about the Beta Quadrant is it has stuff on the Gorn, who I kind of thought were like a joke. I didn't even think like they were like a proper thing. And they have ships and stuff. I thought like Gorn was like yep. one lizard dude fighting Kirk on a mountain because I've never really watched the original series. I've just seen bits of it. Uh, That's the only time they pop up. So. <laughs> And then there's like a whole bunch of stuff on, on the Orions who like the Orions were like big in like the original series. And then it's like, they just pretended they weren't a thing in next gen. Just like the, the other Orions. No, we're not, we're not doing that. Uh, I mean, they've come back a lot more. 
There are a couple of episodes in uh, Deep Space Nine that focus on the Orion Syndicate, you know, just the, the crime, uh, the, the criminal organization that the Orions are associated with. But yeah, I, I like that those things are fleshed out. There's some meat that's hung on the bones of things that had been introduced in the, in the various series, but never really detailed to, to any great depth. Um, you know, you mentioned the the Delta and the Gamma Quadrant books, and it's interesting if you're, I'd say if, if you're interested in running anything that has to do with the Borg, whether it's in the Delta Quadrant or elsewhere, this is a good book. If the Borg don't interest you as as a campaign aspect, then this book, I mean, it might be interesting to read, but as a gameplay tool, if you're not going to use the Borg, the Delta Quadrant's probably not all that useful to you. And I'd say that the same thing goes for the um, for the Gamma Quadrant. And you know something I, I found really curious, and I dug through. I dug through and I looked and I confirmed there is no map of the Gamma Quadrant. It's just not in there. It's not in there. Uh, you know, in the inside covers of the of both the Alpha and the Beta Quadrant books, you have that same map that's found in the core book. And it's the fold-out map that comes with the gigantic Peter Frampton album screen. Yeah, I think looking at the Delta one, the, it's got a similar thing. It, the only thing they have in the Delta one is they have maps of the path of the ship that will not be mentioned. But you know but what, though? I, I'm There's okay no with that. I, I'm, I'm yeah. having, I wish I found, I need to find digital copies, find someone who's laced them together and scaled them correctly with one well, of them so I can make some sense of it. But it makes sense to me that the ship whose name will remain unmentioned, I will, I'll, I'll grant you that. Uh, it's the only ship that has the Federation ship that has come back with any information about what's in the Delta Quadrant. So it makes sense that you would have essentially a map that looked like a hallway. Yeah. And that's in effect what they've, what they've provided. But the only thing that even approaches a map in the Gamma Quadrant book is a uh, a map that shows roughly within the Gamma Quadrant where the Bajoran wormhole opens and deposits ships, and it has this kind of pinkish blob right. that represents the Dominion. But in terms of like where different planets are, that they there's nothing. I was a little disappointed by that. Yeah, I mean, I guess it makes sense if they're doing like all oh, the books are from a Federation point of view, and like we've had this, I've had this conversation in the past that like one of my things I, I wish there was more like i'm glad they released the klingon book and i wish there was more stuff to you know hopefully they'll release a romulan book or something but it kind of feels like they're using stuff that they know from uh from the from all the tv series and so on whereas you know i remember the star trek game back in the day where they were on the cutting edge they were making stuff up now okay george lucas then afterwards said nah, none of that stuff's real but people still go back to that stuff and go well george might have said it isn't but we like that so we're bringing it back in and you know this whole they were making stuff up. They went way beyond what was in, uh, you know, the canon at that point. I mean, now the canon's confusing as hell because it's like the canon and the, the not canon. But um, so at least they're consistent, I guess, in these books. But it would be nice for them to go. Well, actually, you know, a map's really useful. Here's a map. Have a yeah. have a map. Um, but I get maybe the license didn't go for it. Who knows? That's what I was thinking too. Is like, to what extent do they have? <clears throat> do they have freedom to create? How much of this is uh, is drawn from, <clears throat> excuse me, like, uh, you know, showrunners Bibles, you know, like this is these are the canon limits of Voyager in regards to these kinds of things. And so they're hemmed in by those. Now, they are coming out. I think it, it is later this calendar year, later in 2021, they're supposed to come out with the Shackleton Expanse book. 
Now, the Shackleton Expanse, to my knowledge, doesn't exist in any of the series. Yeah. Maybe it was mentioned. I don't remember it being mentioned at all. I, I, I don't know. I'm pretty sure they were quite clear in the first book that it's an area you can play in. But I mean, <laughs> but the, the current idea, map of the Shackleton Expanse is a blob. Well, but the idea up. behind that, though, is that's because it's largely unexplored. Yeah. And so what I'm interested in is what will what will a book that is entirely Modiphius fluff, what will that look like? And to yeah. what, you know, how much detail will we get? Will we get a nice map of the expanse or the Shackleton expanse, not the expanse? What will we get um, about that? You know, I, I think that uh, if you're going to run anything in original series, well, Enterprise, original series, even Next Gen or Deep Space Nine, Alpha and Beta, are, that, that does your, your job. I think that if yeah. you're running Enterprise or original series, Unless you want to have another ship got flung into nowhere, you know, into into the distant quadrant, the the gamma and the delta quadrants are are will not be useful to you at the table. But um, for interest's sake, sure. But they, I don't think they they don't really provide any because those those were non entities in both those eras. Um, yeah, I have to say, like of the of of the two books. I, well, I've got the Delta book, but I don't look at it. Uh, the two books, I, I do prefer, I do really like the Alpha one because it has like quirky stuff. I mean, I'm, I'm going doing it again. I'm on a podcast. I'm showing pictures. Because look, I have bird people and cat people. Yep. Excellent. And Ferengi. So just the fact that Ferengis are in this book are like, win. The Alpha one I was on, I was really excited. I remember when like before it came out, I was really excited to get it because it had it had more different stuff. Like, you know, I had a vague idea from watching it about... Um, about the Klingons and the Vulcans and the Romans. It was a surprise when it came out, like I said, that it had stuff in it. I wasn't expecting to be in it, but pretty much all of the Alpha Quadrant book is all is all like new stuff to me. I don't I think at that point maybe I hadn't watched a huge amount of Deep Space Nine, where since I've, you know, watched all seven series. I've got a better idea now. Yeah, I had I I I'm of the same the same sense as you in this that the beta quadrant, I was like, oh that, that's interesting. But I I felt like I was already comfortable enough with the lore and the stories and the ideas of the Klingons and the Romulans. Now, the book did add some things, but I was more interested in the Cardassians. I was more interested in some of the other species and things that are found in, in what they call the Alpha Quadrant. So, um, so yeah, I was, I, I was more excited when that one came out. I think I enjoyed reading it more. But again, what's interesting is going back to the Beta Quadrant now, I've gotten more, I think, more value out of that but maybe that's just because i'm excited because i'm about to start running a campaign and, and i'm starting it i decided to start it in the beta quadrant for the purpose of of putting it in a less charged like politically charged area now obviously the, the romulans you know yeah you could argue that but i didn't want to have it near anywhere near bajor or cardassia because my campaign starts in 2372 which is like right at the cusp of the beginning of the dominion war so I did. I wanted them away from that and in something that might seem a little, as I said, less charged. You're going to be awkward wherever you go because don't the Kling, I can't remember which side the Klingons are. Don't the Klingons join with the join with the Dominion in that? So actually, wherever like the whole the whole both basically both quadrants end up going like properly to war. So it's all like, yeah. No, the Klingons the, the Klingons try. They believe that Cardassia was taken over by the founders, and so they attack Cardassia. And in the doing of that, they also they they uh, what's it called? They ignore the treaty 
with the Federation. And so they attack Deep Space Nine and, the, you know, they're all pissed off and angry and cling on for a while. And then they calm down and, and then they come back on the Federation side. It's it's lots of shifting alliances, uh, especially early in the Dominion War. So I wanted to have that stuff off the sh- off the stage when my uh, my game starts. Um, rather than like dumping them right into that. So like I said, Beta Quadrant for that purpose has been a lot more useful to me at this point. Yeah. I was gonna, it's, it's funny, it's not really relevant to this, but sort of thinking back in the day, but nowadays most most genre TV is it is like, you know, builds up that you don't have Monster of the Week episodes anymore. But, you know, Deep Space Nine, I mean, that was what, Deep Space Nine came out in something like 94-ish. And yeah, like that, yeah, you know, that was only, it was, you know, it was near the end of the run, but you're still talking, it was the nineties, it's, you know, 20 years before now where they decided actually we are going to put in a, a long running arc into our, our thing and our episodes are going to link in together, um, which was a massive shift from, you know, Voyager basically went back to, and Enterprise as well. You know, and I, from what I've seen, it went back to doing sort of monster of the week things, but um, you know, that was pretty impressive that Deep Space Nine did this whole massive storyline, which ended up, bringing in you know the, all, everyone in the whole you know both quadrants were involved and all kinds of stuff was kicking off and the fact that it was centered around one little space station which couldn't move is a bit weird but still yeah i think i agree i think that that was well it's, it's fascinating because people are still people in the fan base are still divided generally deep space nine tends to be one of the big points over which people are divided some people really love it i'm one of those people some people really hate it um and uh, and I think that, that that may be sitting at the base of that, is that it really is in so many ways, story-wise and then story format-wise and the plots they chose, it is really a different, a different animal. I do think that the Alpha Quadrant book does provide enough information that if you wanted to run a campaign like that, that's more stationary, I think that you could draw a lot of inspiration from it. Or if you wanted to, you know, base a campaign around deep maybe not at deep space nine i'm not a big fan of setting campaigns around iconic characters like i don't need superman showing up and telling my superhero characters well that's i think that's lame but um but you could easily have a you know a ship that's that's attached to a fleet that operates in the vicinity of deep space nine so you're kind of you're swimming in those same waters the book would definitely provide enough to uh to launch into a story like that, a long story, actually. Yeah, and that was part of the reason I jumped. I guess that's part of the reason they've done the Shackleton expansion. It's part of the reason I chose to set my game like way, way ahead where I could use stuff that was in like the Star Trek Online games. I think that was sort of about 2400 by the same thing that, you know, I didn't have to worry about who was in charge of anything or which because, you know, it was so far ahead of next gen that none of those people would be in or if they were right. old. So I didn't have to worry. Harry about Kim's still an ensign though. <laughs> You know, let me, let, let me comment on that really quickly. Let me, <laughs> let me complain about Harry Kim for just a second. The first time I watched the un, unmentioned, well, I'm going to call it Voyager, darn it, because I'm a, I've, I have come to a, a place of, I'm okay with Voyager now. I've now watched it through twice when it was oh, originally God. on and then just this last year. And I have come to a, a little better than detente with Voyager. And initially I thought, man, Harry Kim got ripped off. Like Tom Paris oh, yeah. got promoted several times, busted down several times, promoted again. You know, what's going on here? When you watch the series this, a second time, which it seems to me by your facial expressions, you're not going to do that. But Harry Kim is damn near incompetent because every single time 
someone tries to take over the computer, beam onto the ship, beam off the ship, steal a shuttlecraft, he can't lock down, lock out, get anything. <laughs> Find me an instance where some alien power, some ship shows up and has a, you know, blah, 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 Ray, and they fire it at the ship, and it's getting through the screens, Captain. I can't lock it out. That's Harry Kim's excuse. I can't. So I think Harry Kim deserves to be an ensign because he is only marginally competent. So he's, you're saying he's not as good as Wesley Crusher then? You said the wrong two words. <laughs> you said the wrong two words. Oh my golly. It's just funny. They see, when, I, when I was watching Next Gen, I was probably pretty much the same age. So I thought Wesley Crusher was great. I go back and watch it and I'm like, oh my God, he's the worst. He's obnoxious. But at the time, I mean, I still think one of my, well, I think one of my favorite ever episodes was is an episode called The Game where like someone brings this weird thing, I know, back from Riker. Oh, I know, Riker. Riker yeah. pulls his pants down and ends up in getting the ship essentially affected, infected with a, 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 an addictive video game from these people who want to yeah. steal the ship. And Thanks, it, Riker. And it's Wesley and like this girl who I think I had a massive crush on then for like years after that. I think she was, was one of the Judds. Yeah, I think it was actually Judd. <laughs> like, it was. Relatively famous. Um, and I just like loved that. But yeah, you go back and watch it now. And it's like, oh, he's so annoying. But at the time, oh, he, was, he was spot on the right age for me to be like, he was the, you know, the character I could uh, sort of root for kind of thing. But yeah, not, yeah. not anymore. Um, whereas when like, then I watched Date Space Nine and Jake was just, they tried to do it again, but I just thought he was whiny and irritating. You know what I think about uh, uh, the, the difference with Jake Sisko is that they made Jake Sisko into... Uh, kind of a, a a whiny, selfish coward. Yeah. And they kept him that way. And I'm all right with that because not everybody's a hero. And unfortunately, you know, the, the, the old saying or, or the idea of, you know, you have, you know, like strong men solve difficult times and create easy times, but then easy times create weak men who lead to tough times. And so you've got this tough, strong leader of a father who maybe spends too much time being a tough strong leader and his son is a weenie like a self-absorbed weenie and uh and, and i'm okay with that actually they you don't have to like a character for to recognize that it's a, a pretty good character and jake cisco was um was i think consistent and i don't like oh, yeah, it yeah I, I think but I, he was consistent i like the way they didn't they didn't turn him into he wasn't you know he wasn't another star trek office he went off and did his own thing Yep. And then at the same time, they had Nog, who should never have been a Star Trek officer, and of course, then became like you know proper kick-ass Star Trek. You know, I would, you know, I liked the the the, uh, the character arc of Nog. I like it's amazing. I love that character arc. It's yeah, just... Wesley Crusher though turning into a, a sweater-wearing being of energy, I and that. I, that's just that just made me want to bang my head on a nail. Yeah. I, I can only think it's because like they decided they didn't actually want to bring him back, and the easiest way to not bring him back was either kill him. Or have him turn into, you know, Q. So they went for the latter for some reason. The former would have been better. <laughs> but that's because I'm a terrible person. Uh, I mean, no, there's many characters we can say that about, you know, Jar Jar Binks in Star Wars, but they, they never did it. Kess in Voyager. Oh, Kess. She was the worst. Yeah, she was bad. It's funny. See, I have arguments with my wife about Voyager, and she, she likes Voyager more than, than any of the other Star Trek series. I mean, she's wrong. 
but she's now laugh. She's laughing at me now. She's demonstrably wrong. She's, 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 you, she's you wrong. actually have have hard evidence to but prove I'll, that she is wrong. I'll I'll watch next gen with her, and she'll be like, "Oh, this is so old and tacky." And you're watching it, going, "Oh, she's right. It is old and tacky." But you know, it gets better. You have to get through yeah. sort of the first two series, and when it really sort of when it really sort of gets into itself. And but yeah, Voyager is just a. I was, I was going to say, is Voyager better than Enterprise? I don't know. We're so far off yes. topic now. So. I have, I have demonstrated, I have conclusive evidence. I took it to a lab and I tested both of them. And I know for a f- I did like eyedropper stuff and one turned purple and one turned green. I'm like, I know what the fact is. Anyway, so wrapping up here with the books, because we're actually still on topic because we're talking about books that are related to these, uh, these general storylines. Uh, is there anything in closing you want to add about these four books of which you own three? That is like maybe suggestions for people or commentary. If someone's thinking about either turning back to one of these that they've had on a shelf for a while or considering purchasing one. I think, I think I'd have to say that, yeah, the, the, you kind of, you've put me off again from buying the Gamma book. Like the, the main reason to me to buy the Gamma book then is it's the one I don't own, but it doesn't seem to be a purpose to own it other than I don't own it. Um, I think it's definitely it's if you've got if you can only choose one you have to think about what you want if you want weird quirkiness you want the alpha book because it's full of that if you want more useful stuff that you're probably going to end up using more then you want you want the beta book because it you know it's got your it's got all your uh, your Klingons and your Romulans in it so that's probably going to be more useful unless you're deliberately but yeah, the, the, I just there's so much weird stuff in the Alpha book. Oh, that's yeah, I agree. I, really I think if you're gonna run the if you're gonna run a, a a generally I'll call it a traditional Star Trek campaign that is one in Enterprise original series, next gen up through Voyager, but not in the Delta Quadrant. If you're gonna run a story like that, Alpha and Beta, I think together you you'd be all set. Now the campaign that you're talking about that you had set decades in the future from the you know the remember that the default timeline in for modifia starts in 2371 if you were to start a campaign in 2400 who knows what kind of exploration is taking place in the delta quadrant or the gamma quadrant so if you're going to step outside of that default in the future uh then either the gamma or the the delta quadrants would be really useful or i think if you want to have the borg or if you want to go to the Gamma Quadrant for whatever reason, whether that's during the Dominion War or in the future, I think those two books then become useful. But but they are, unless you're going to run campaigns that are focused like that or taking place in that time period, they're, they're less than the Alpha and the Beta. Anyway, well, well great. Was, as always, great talking to you. And uh, we will talk soon about this vexing problem you have about choosing a game system that fits a certain, scratches a, a certain itch yep. that you're having. All right. All right. Bye for now. Thank you so much for listening. You can visit our show's homepage at anchor.fm slash fluff and crunch. That's F-L-U-F-F-N-C-R-U-N-C-H. We would really appreciate feedback and reviews on whatever podcasting platform you're listening to this on. Thanks so much.